Hi, this is Bill Hoppy, Buffalo Sabres beat reporter, and I'm joined by Nick Sabato, Buffalo Bills beat reporter and Niagara Gazette sports editor. And welcome to episode 16 of Buffalo Press Box. Nick, a whole lot to talk about again this week. A 31-10 victory by the Bills over the Dallas Cowboys puts them at eight and six. They're ninth in the AFC. They're one of five teams at eight and six. Uh, they're in the thick of it. They still probably have to win out, but l- let's get right to it. Where does this put them in the big picture here? Ninth in the AFC. Okay, thanks for clearing that up. Um, <laughs> well, I, I think um, the Bills proved again that when they play well, they can beat anybody. For sure. Um, I mean, they, they've they've had they they've thumped the the Dolphins, they've thumped the Cowboys, they just beat the Chiefs. Um, I mean, w- when they play well, they can. I mean, they can win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a matter of, of which Bills team are you going to get every week? Um, and that's kind of put them in the position they're in. I mean, they've gotten themselves to a point where I think, um, they have a 71% chance to make the playoffs, uh, according to the, the, uh, upshots playoff simulator at New York times. Um, but when you still look at it, um, even if they win the next two games against the chargers and Patriots, uh, they still only have like a, a 52% chance of making the playoffs if the Dolphins win the regular season finale. So, I mean, they have to keep winning. Mm-hmm. And one of these games is against a team that's already beaten them. Now, obviously, things have really, really gone downhill for the Patriots since then, uh, but they weren't really that great before. So, um, I mean, the the Bills have to have to keep winning. They can't take their foot off the gas pedal. I mean, especially... You know, this week coming up with the Chargers. Um, obviously, Justin Herbert is is on IR. They just fired their head coach Brandon Staley. They're a mess. Um, but it's a trip to LA the day before Christmas Eve, coming off a big win. So uh, they got to figure out how to keep their their foot on the gas pedal. So, I mean, the interesting part about this win, I mean, you think they beat the Cowboys thirty-one ten. You think you know Josh Allen throws for. Uh... 350 yards and three touchdowns and is is that mvp josh we we've seen at times this year we saw against uh the chiefs against the eagles but i mean he i mean he had i mean statistically what was that the 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 lowest yardage game of his career i mean he i mean he no he, he doing... had some he had some 80 yarders his rookie year i think it was he had 15 pass attempts um that was yards Seven completions. Sorry, not to cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah, his fifteen attempts. That was that was the lowest number since um, his rookie year in a game where he started and finished. Um, since uh, that thirteen twelve game, I think it was against the Titans. It was like his fourth career start. Um, his seven his seven completions. We'd have to we'd have to check with the research team on that one, um, but. <laughs> It's uh, it, it it's the Bills prove that they don't need you know Josh Allen to do it all to win every week. Now, are they going to be able to win every week with him going seven of fifteen? No, no. Um, but they can they can do other things. I mean, they did. Joe Brady um called a gem, and it was simplistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they ran away from Micah Parsons 
and they ran right at um, Cowboys linebacker Marquise Bell, who is 205 pounds. I mean, they specifically they would motion to to run away from from um, Parsons to run right at Bell, and they just kept doing it. I mean, there was a stretch there early in the game where you know it looked like all right, they're you're going to do what they did against the Chiefs, and you know Cook's going to disappear. You know, at one point Cook had. Uh, 51 yards on seven attempts and carried the ball three more times the rest of the game against the Chiefs. And for a second there, it looked like that's the direction it was heading again. Um, but, you know, they kind of got bailed out by uh, roughing the punter. And after that, um, it was pretty smooth sailing. And, and Brady just kept going right back to Cook and right back to Cook. I mean, so James Cook's emergence as really the back, I think the Bills always envisioned he could be i mean he he's he's quietly had what what's become a, a tremendous season i mean he's one of the nfl's best backs really i mean it, it, it's a, a week before christmas here and he, he's he's on the verge of a thousand yards and he's just he's taken off under joe brady hasn't he yeah i mean he's number two in the league in rushing yards he's number three in the league in yards from scrimmage he's joe brady has just embraced him um his his touches are up um, significantly. I think he's averaging five more carries per game under under Brady, and the running backs as a whole are utilized more. They've doubled their their yards uh, receiving. They've doubled their receptions from in the last four games to what they were in the first ten ten games or half. I guess they've they've had half of that, um, in you know less than half of the games. So. It's using all 11 guys on the field rather than, you know, going to an empty set and just throwing a running back out there. He's not really not going to do anything. Uh, it's it's all 11 guys and making the defense defend everyone. And even more so, it's finding something that works and not getting away from it. And I the Bills had such a tendency to do that. Even if you go back to Brian Dable where – they might be running the ball really well, and then all of a sudden, you know, because you have Josh Allen, you think you have to use him. I mean, the Bills are are one in four when running backs carry the ball less than than uh, twenty times this season. Zero and three with less than fifteen, compared to you know over the last three years, they're nine and one when running backs carry the ball more than twenty five times in a game. So. I mean, clearly there's something there, and Brady—he's realized that running backs are carrying the ball almost 30 times a game um, in the last four. So that's going to be huge. And James Cook is obviously the catalyst. He's—you know—he's not the biggest guy, um, but the Bills can't be afraid to, if they need to, give it to him 25 times. You know, uh, uh, he's kind of turned into this guy, and if he stays this guy that we've seen the last four weeks. Eventually, he's going to command an awful lot of money, probably money the Bills won't want or can't afford to pay him. Um, so use him up as much as you got him and then find someone new. I mean, that's what you have to do with running backs in the NFL now. Um, you can't be afraid to, you know, we're going to give him 12 carries so we can see he prolong his, his career. Well, maybe you won't get him, um, you know, for, for that long. So use him while you got him. I agree. I agree. I mean, 
don't draft running backs high either, unless it's a very, very special back. I mean, draft him in the after the first round, in my opinion. And Ty, let me let me just add Ty Johnson. Yeah, you know, I've I've brought him up every week. It seems like fifty four yards for Ty Johnson. He I'm, he's been a nice addition there. I, I'll say it again. He's got some juice to him. Um, and it seems like he's kind of hopped over Latavius Murray for the time being. Mm-hmm. Um, some of that I think was because they were running the ball and, and clearly Ty Johnson has a little more pop than Latavius Murray does. They still love Latavius Murray in pass protection. I think, you know, they threw it 15 times. I think two of them were negated by penalties. So really 17 times. And Murray was out there for a good chunk of those pass protection plays. Um, so we'll see when it becomes a more pass oriented game. If Murray is, is his snaps go back up. Um, but I, I think you have to give Ty Johnson more touches. He's just bringing more to the table right now than Latavius Murray is. And he's just got, he's got a gear. He's got an extra gear that Murray doesn't. And it just seems, you know, every time he touches the ball, he's decisive, um, knows where he wants to go. Maybe he doesn't gain all kinds of yards when he gets there, all the, when he gets it all the time, but he knows where he wants to go and he, he tries to get there as fast as he can. All right, Nick. So this is the second straight game. The Bills defense has just had a, a tremendous, tremendous performance. I mean, Dak Prescott came in, in into the week. I mean, uh, so much MVP talk coming off that huge win over the Eagles. And I mean, he he did nothing the whole game. I mean, they, they contained everyone. And that, that touchdown the Cowboys scored was a garbage time touchdown. I mean, is this who the Bills defense really is? Or I mean... Are we in for a regression again? What's gonna? What, what do you think? What do you think is gonna happen here? Until you know, maybe we see otherwise. Until maybe that Miami game, week eighteen, you probably figure somewhere, somewhere in the middle is is what they really are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, Dak Prescott had fifteen touchdowns and one interception in his previous five games. Now, granted, only one of those one of those defenses was. Uh, ranked higher than 22nd in the league, but still 15 touchdowns and one interception in, in five games is pretty impressive. And they got all kinds of weapons. I mean, CD lamb is really good. Tony Pollard is really good. Their tight end. Jake Ferguson is a good tight end. Um, and they did nothing. I mean, they, I think they probably could have run the ball a little more if they, if they stuck to it, but um, they didn't. And uh, Dak was just never comfortable. I mean, they really never got anything going. It was such a such a weird game. It wasn't like the Bills were hitting them on every play and, and things and that like that. Like their drives just kind of petered out. The Bills were really good at, you know, when you know they they might give up a four yard pass, but somebody was right there to make a tackle. There was no no yards after the catch. There was nobody running free in the secondary. It was it was a a really sound performance by the Bills. And it's two weeks in a row. Um, they they really did a good job of of looting Patrick Mahomes the week before. I don't think many many people can say that. Um, but you look at it. I mean, they were they were down AJ Epinesa, who's having a nice year. They were down Micah Hyde, and you know, both of those guys were hurt in the first half against the Chiefs. So really, they've They've shut down the last year's MVP and the front runner for the MVP this year in back-to-back weeks. And I think Sean McDermott, as much as we've criticized him 
over the over the course of the season for some of the decisions he's made um, and how the defense has kind of just collapsed at the end of the games. He deserves some credit here for concocting these two two gems the last two weeks. They've really been outstanding game plans. For sure. All right, Nick. So the Bills are, are flying out to L.A. this week. You kind of mentioned it has that, I don't know, letdown type feel to it. You know, you're, you're going to California playing a bad team a couple of days before Christmas. I still can't, I, I can't see them losing this one though. I, I really can't. Um, can we get a prediction from you? you? Want me to go first? Go for it. All right. 41, 10. That's a, that's a bold prediction. I mean, I, hey. I think you look at it. They can't, they can't lose a game to Easton stick and no offense to Easton stick, but at this juncture of his career, it's not a game. The bills should lose. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, the Chargers just fired their coach and their general manager. They lost what what, what the Raiders put up sixty one on them. Was that what it was? Sixty sixty three, I think. Sixty three, after getting shut out the previous week. So I mean, I mean, that's just like a, a ridiculously bad loss. And, and I mean, I mean, if the Bills can't can't beat them and beat them soundly, I mean. I don't know, but yeah, that's forty-one ten. There you mark it down. Well, I I'd like to see. I don't know if Keenan Allen is going to play, which I mean, that that kind of even adds to it a little bit for for the Chargers, right? Uh, um, I I I would like to see the pass rush continue to kind of get after it. Um, I, you know, Greg Rousseau, I think, is really starting to come on, um, especially as a run defender. Uh, you just see him make some splash plays every week in the run game, and I think the sacks are going to start to come. Obviously, Ed Oliver has been really good and really consistent all year. Leonard Floyd has just been a steady Eddie, and he's seems like he's getting a sack a week sometimes. Um, but you're yeah, you're you're looking at a Chargers team that gave up 63 last week. They scored seven two weeks ago against the Broncos. They scored six. It was a six nothing game against the Patriots two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Um, they haven't, you know, last week they scored twenty one, but I think a lot of those were garbage points. But so you I mean you look at the points they've scored the, the previous three weeks: ten, six, seven. Um, and some of those games were with Justin Herbert. So I think forty one ten. That's a that's a that's a bold prediction. I'll go. 34-10. Maybe we're being too generous giving them 10 points. Jeez, I don't know. You got me th- reconsidering my uh my pick here or my score here. <laughs> 70, uh, 70 to nothing. Is that is you gonna change it to that? I'm tempted to lower their uh should I make it 41-3? No, I'll stick with 41-10. So there you go. Mark it down. One of these days I'm gonna hit it on the nose. You know I am. You are, you are, uh, uh, I think you're missing your calling. I think you should get into to sports betting. I think you should be a professional gambler. No, I, uh, I've never gambled in my life and I don't plan to start. I don't know. I could see you with one of those green visors. Could you? I could, and I could see you, but I, I could see you more at like the bingo hall, trash talking the grannies. Oh, 
I, uh, I've never done bingo. I think that's oh. more your speed. All right, all right. Whatever you say. That probably is more my speed. I, I, I do agree with you there. So and, uh, we, We've gotten um, word, word from the research team. Uh, Josh Allen's seven completions, regardless of start or whatever, um, it is his second lowest number of his career. Wow. He had, he had eight in a game against the Jaguars. That was that was the game where Leonard Fournette and, and Shaq Lawson got into it as in 2018. But the only time he's completed fewer passes was the very first game of his career when he went six for 15 against the Ravens in a 40 to seven, three 47, three loss in a monsoon. And they were just awful. Um, and he didn't start that game. So hmm. yeah, his going, going way back here. Um, he's only completed less than 10 passes three times in his career now. Wow. Yeah. Or thanks to the research team. They uh they get the job done and get the job done quickly, huh? Yeah. It's good to know that they they work for someone other than you as well. Mm-hmm. Well, Bill, the Bills appear to be getting back on track, but it's the Sabres who now are struggling. And oddly enough, they're struggling in similar ways that the Sab the Bills were struggling earlier this season. Uh slow starts, um, inconsistent play inconsistent offense and it came to a head uh against the columbus blue jackets the number 28 team in the nhl and they were down seven to one at one point ended up losing nine to four uh, what do you make of where the sabers are right now that almost felt like a rock bottom game to me <laughs> well it was, it was definitely the low point of the kevin adams don granado era i mean that was just that was just a brutal loss um i mean to lose nine to four at any time is, is a rough, rough, rough loss. But to do it at home, to do it against a team that you're much better than, in my opinion, uh, it was just, it was bad. And that was, I've been to a lot of games where it, the crowd's surly and there's there's anger and, and that ranks right up there. I mean, they were, they were booing them and rightfully so at every opportunity. I mean, Every opportunity. I mean, the the play would. I mean, the play would be whistled, and they'd just start booing again. And and it was just it was wasn't a good atmosphere. And this was a game they scored thirty seconds into that that you that you thought they were getting after it. It was an exciting, aggressive goal, and you thought, all right, here we go. And then by the end of the first period, I mean, they're down whatever three to one, and, and they just. I mean, that second period was maybe. I mean, it's hard to pick out, but it ranks among the worst periods I've ever seen them play. I mean, it was it was that bad. And you look at it, and this is a team that a week ago, Friday, beat the Vegas Golden Knights, you know, on the road, played just a terrific road game, you know, beat the number one team in the league on the road, just beat the Boston Bruins a couple of weeks ago on the road, just beat the New York, you know, beat the New York Rangers three weeks ago on the road. I mean, in just high, high highs and the lowest of lows. It's, it's, it's one thing to win one, lose one, be that kind of inconsistent. But when you're in win one, lose one mode and you're knocking off heavyweights and getting pummeled by, you know, the league's bottom teams, it's just, it, it, it's odd. It really, really is. And that, that was, that was just a brutal effort on, on, on Tuesday. 
I mean, where where do you go from here? Um, I, I think it's it's pretty obvious that some something needs to happen. Um, what that is, I, I'm not so sure. When you look at it, uh, they're they're averaging more more than a goal a game less, and they're supposed to be this emphasis on defense. But they're, I mean, I think they're averaging like 0.2 goals less per game allowed. Um, it's just not working right now. Where do you go from here? I mean, it, it, do you make a coaching change? Do you bring up some young no, guys? No. Do you play, play some old guys on waivers? What, what do you do here, Bill? Well, first of all, I mean, no, you don't make a coaching change. I mean, Don Granato has taken this team pretty far pretty quick when you look at how bad they were in 2021. Just, just they were just awful, brutal, and guys have consistently gotten better over the, the past two-plus years, and they've entered a different mode. They've gotten, as a team, they've matured and gotten a lot better, and, and now they're expected to make the playoffs. And the first two months here have been rough at times, but no, no coaching change. You have to commit to something. Um, it just it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, you can't – you any when something goes wrong – and I realize this is more than a couple games or uh, you know, a month or whatever. But when something goes wrong, you can't just fire everyone and start over. I mean, that's that's the kind of stuff that got this organization in in this mess in the first time. Just just pivoting, constantly pivoting and firing and, and trying different things, and none of it works. I mean, they have to commit to something. And right now, their maturation stalled a bit, but. I mean, no, to me, Don Granado is your coach. He really is. And uh, I, I just, the speculation that, or the thought that he should be fired, just, uh, I, I don't agree with it at all. So and as far as, well, well, as far as improving the team, I mean, the, the roster freeze hit at uh, midnight uh, on Tuesday. So for the next week or so, they really can't, they can't do anything trade wise. Um, so uh, they, I think they do need to shake things up within the lineup, whether that's adding another, you know, a small deal like the Eric Robinson deal they did um, a couple of weeks ago, or whether it's something bigger. I, yeah, I do think something has to be done. But, I mean, there's no, ma there, there's no magic trade out there that's going to, you know, you can't make a trade for the sake of it and, and give up assets just to say you you got a new guy and overpay i mean they're not dealing from a position of strength so uh just making a deal in season it, it can be very very tough so is, here's the, the the issue with a coaching change obviously it, it worked for the bills um when they fired ken dorsey it was it was a person that they genuinely liked mm -hmm. and they got rid of him and it kind of it kind of woke him up a little bit but at the same token, for the Sabres, you have a coach that they universally like, but they're not playing hard for him right now. And I think last night after the game, you know, they hear those those chants, those fire Donnie chants. Of course. And you you would figure that they they would be willing to line up uh, to defend him, and they weren't. Uh, they hung they hung Don Granado out to dry after the game to the media. And even more so, the only guy really there to take things head on was Kyle Ocposo. So they hung their captain out to dry. Another guy they they universally like. So 
I don't know that a coaching change would even work. Well, I mean, the guys who spoke in the locker room, uh, Kyle Oposo and uh, Tage Thompson, that, that, I mean, they defended Don Granato right. uh, very hard. Yes. Um, but as, you know, as, as far as a coach, <laughs> as far as a coaching change working, I mean, I don't, in this case, you know, you see a lot of these coaching changes do work. We've seen it with even, you know, most recently with Edmonton. It, it, it after a, a slow start, it worked out with Chris Knobloch, or it's working out with Chris Knobloch. Um, and just traditionally, or, or just whatever you want what the word is, in the last few years, when, when a team fires a coach, they usually get on a run. But uh, in this case, I don't think it would work. I think uh, it would be a shock to the system. I think he's too well liked or too well respected. I think guys like playing for him and you, you, you know, you make the point that they're not playing hard for him. Well, I, I, certain games are not yet, but I mean, again, just, they're not you know, playing hard enough often enough. Well, yeah, true. I mean, but I mean, certain nights they are. And, you know, right. you know, people speculate about firing, the, doing this and firing and that, and they're, they're four days removed from beating the league's best team you know, in their own building. And and it wasn't, you know, a, a two to one shootout victory. It was a complete, complete victory, just like the Rangers game, just like the Bruins game. And just like some of their other wins this year. I mean, there's no magic button Granado can push to make them be more consistent, to make them play harder. I mean, it seems like he's tried just about everything. I and mean, last night he, he, he had him gather around the bench and he just lit into him. Um, that didn't work either. They just went out and then gave up another goal. So something, something you have to figure out a, a different way to go about this. And the other factor is say you even wanted to fire Don Granado. Who are you going to hire to replacement? I, I don't think there's any assistant coach on the staff. That's head coach material at this juncture. Uh, I guess you could bring up Seth Appert from, from Rochester, something they, Terry Pagula has done before with Ron Rolston, but I don't think that's the answer because then you got to go find another coach for Rochester. Um, I, I saw Jay McKee's name thrown out there. He's coaching the Hamilton Bulldogs in the in the OHL, and I think they're like 31 and five, something like that. But why would he want to inherit this mess midway through the season when he's got a good thing going with the Bulldogs? Um so there's that. Like if you if you want to make a move, you have to you have to have someone lined up and you know, when the Bills fired Ken Dorsey, they had not just Joe Brady, who had offensive coordinator experience. They had Mike Shula, who's been an offensive coordinator in the league. They had Rob, they have Rob Boris, the tight ends coach, who's been an offensive coordinator. So you had options. I don't think the Sabres have options if they wanted to replace Don Granato right now. No, I mean, there's no internal candidate uh, that they could just bring up. And, and I mean, the move... <laughs> A move would make no sense to me, and that just further, you know, enhances my 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 point. I mean, there's just you can't make a move for the sake of it. I mean, uh, and I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, if they lose twelve in a row, check back with me. But at this juncture, no, it's not going to it's not going to happen. And I I think his body of work has given him, you know, the benefit of the doubt here. I mean, you look at even outside candidates. I mean, Bruce, Bruce Boudreaux's out there. How many times? He, yeah, he had a successful run with the Capitals, um, but he's been fired multiple times. Uh, times yeah. And why would he want to come here and inherit at, at his 
at his age and in his his situation, why would he want to come here midseason? Um, Craig Berube is out there, but he just got fired. Why do you want to fire, hire another guy who just got fired? Um, there's just it doesn't make any sense. So now the question there comes: you look at some of the guys. Um, the big word around here is accountability right now. Rasmus Dahlin, who I believe is the the general, you know, the consensus is he's the next captain. When whenever Kyle Poso decides to retire, Rasmus Dahlin will will take the seat. He wasn't there to face the music after the game. Eric Johnson, who is 35 years old, has been around the block, won a Stanley Cup. Uh, a guy they brought in for accountability and to teach the young guys things. He wasn't around to to face the music. Um, so, you know, the, the other thing is. He, you have Don Granado, who was considered a player's coach. I don't think I don't think the disciplinarian works in in, in coaching right now anymore. I, I especially professional sports. No, I mean so, it's changed dramatically, right? Obviously, over the years. Yeah, and that that those responses from those guys last night should should tell you that. Um, but what Granado needs to do, I think, is the one leverage he has is ice time. And I think maybe it's time to start pulling it if he's not getting the results from certain guys. I mean, you look at Owen Power. He just he signed that extension. He hasn't been tremendous this year. Maybe it's time to to give him a give him a night in the press box. Um, you know, Dylan Cousins um, seems like a pretty stand up guy. Um, had a good game against Vegas a couple nights ago. And he talked a big game about the team being soft, but his performance isn't up to par. Maybe he needs a night in the press box. I think stuff like that is really, really the only the only card he has to play, and I think he should use it. Yeah, I mean, ice time at this point is is probably the biggest card. Um, I don't think it, at this. It, Don Granado hasn't been a guy that does the the healthy scratch the shot you know the shock healthy scratch where you know it's 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 a big headline and no one's expecting and he hasn't done that and i don't think he's going to suddenly start he hasn't really benched game guys within games i mean certainly ice time has been cut at times but you know we haven't you know had that guy like we had with i think Rasmus stalin maybe four years going to ralph Kruger, where he sits out the entire third period and this and that we haven't had that and I, you know, I don't think Owen Owen Power hasn't hasn't had the best season. Uh, neither has Matias Samuelson. Um, they just haven't been themselves. Um, but I don't think they're gonna, you know, they're not gonna be a healthy scratch. I mean, I could see them maybe losing a little ice time at, at some point, but I don't think he's gonna he's gonna scratch them. But but you're right. I mean, ice time, ice time. But the way coaching is now, it's it it it's maybe the biggest card. So where do you where do you see the solution in in all of this? That's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I need to think about that. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I think one of their big thing. I think they just they need a new guy or two. They, they need to freshen things up within the lineup because well, it works some nights. More often than not, it's not working. I mean, when it works, it works pretty well. But it, it's working, uh, you know. N- not even every other game at this point. So I think you need to explore what's out there. And if it takes a prospect, uh, then maybe, maybe you need to do it. I mean, it's, it's a win now. They're in win now mode, which as we've talked about 
they really haven't been in for a long time. Everything's always been about futures. And then the last couple of years, last year, you know, we, we, we saw some change with that where they, you know, they got Riley Stillman and they did this and they did that and, and they tried to beef up, but uh, I mean, right now they need, I mean, they just needed a, a different, uh, they need, I would say they need just another, you know, you always need more scoring. You need this, you need that, but just, just another third, fourth liner, uh, you know, they got a, a pretty decent one in Eric Robinson, but I mean, those guys can be be had cheaply. They just need, you know, a little more grit, a little more bite, and that that's something you could do, uh, you know, without, you know, giving up a top prospect or a high draft pick or, or a roster player. I mean, you can. There are things you can do, and that that's one of the easiest solutions right now, in my opinion. Or not solutions, but easiest uh, things you could do. Try right now. I I think they need a second line guy. Um, I think trying to rely on the kids, the the cousins, Paterka, Quinn line, it's hard to do right now. They're all so young, and they all play a certain way. I think they could use a guy who could play on the second line that has some edge, a guy like Jeff Skinner. Now, where you get that guy, I don't know. You're going to have to give up something for it. Um, but I don't know. If, if things don't turn around... You know, Kevin Adams plays a role in this. He decided to stay pat over the summer mm-hmm. and it, it didn't work. And not not because he decided he wanted to rely on these young guys and extend a whole bunch of them. But some of the guys that they've given a shot and it hasn't really worked out, he decided to keep a, a Victor Olofsson, a Tyson Jost, guys who were inconsistent and didn't produce the way they want and ended up in the press box, you know, frequently. He's, you know, they the decided, oh, we'll try him again. Maybe we can get something out of him. They can't afford to do that anymore. Um, if if there are guys who aren't producing for you and they haven't been producing for you, it's time to, I mean, it's easier in the NFL to, to cut a guy. But maybe oh, it's sure. time to put him on waivers. Maybe it's time to try some of these young guys out. Um, a Kulik, a Rosen for an extended period of time. And certainly you look at Ryan Johnson. I I don't see any, there there doesn't seem to be a reasonable thought process in keeping him a healthy scratch ever at this point. Well, I I tweeted that he was going to sit out um, uh, on Tuesday. I mean, the the replies I got, people were, were livid. And, um, and based on the reply and based on the lines today that you, you put out there, he was going to sit out again for Thursday's game. He might, and I mean, again, I mean, only there's only six. I mean, they have been dressing, dressing some some nights, but there's only six spots, so there's going to be an odd guy out. And he, as good as he is for his age, I mean, he's still a little raw. So, so there's some tough decisions there. I mean, yeah, he probably should be playing, but um, you, you know, are you going to scratch Henry Yoki Haru? I mean, Connor maybe you Cl- should. Yeah, well, but I don't. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, you know, Connor Clifton struggled and he sat out a game, but he's he's gotten his game back. Eric Johnson has set out some games, two or three already. So um, maybe they go back to seven tomorrow. I don't know. I mean, they waived Jacob Bryson, so they only have seven defensemen now. I uh, think you can go back to seven defensemen. They need to figure out how to put the puck in the net. <laughs> but to your other point, as far as you know. Um, 
you know, the off season and yeah, I mean, Kevin Adams, I mean, he, he, he stuck by his guys and, and uh, hindsight, it looks, it looks like maybe it wasn't the best decision, but I mean, th- that forward group was coming off a, uh, career years that most of them had, had taken big steps and it seemed like a lot of them had even more steps. They were in their prime or just entering their prime and, and it looked like they might have more or at least maintain And for all of them across the board, almost to struggle uh, and to be not just down, but way down. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty surprising. And yeah. as far as, all, you know, Victor Olofsson to me, I mean, to me and just about everyone else, it, it I mean, it seemed like he was going to be traded during the summer. It just seemed like it wasn't working out. Um, it was time. He, you know, he scored 28 goals. Uh, he only had one year left on his contract, so it wasn't a huge risk. Um, but that Jack Quinn injury changed things. And all of a sudden, uh, you're taking Victor Olsen's 28 goals out of your lineup. You lose Jack Quinn's 14 goals, and you you know expected Jack expect Jack Quinn to have growth. So you feel like you're taking you know 50 goals out of your lineup, and uh, he didn't want to do that. And hindsight, it looks like well they just should have traded Victor Olsen. Um, you know I I understand why he kept him. And Tyson, I mean Tyson Jost is a he's a third fourth liner who moves around. Um. He's a he's a depth player. I don't think it was the worst move to bring him back. I, I don't think I don't think he's to me, he's the least of their problems. Um I don't know. I don't think anybody had a problem with them extending those young guys, even still, even though they've all underperformed. To me, it's it's the guys like Olison. I mean, you want to trade him and uh nobody wanted him. So I think the thinking there has to be well. If nobody else wants him, what do we want him for? Uh, I don't think that gets thought about enough in, in some of these instances. Um, you know, uh, they were afraid to take the goal production out of the lineup, but he's got four goals in right. 27 games. And it, and he's only he's playing less than 12 minutes of ice time. Maybe, okay. maybe, is it, maybe Kulik or, or Rosen or whoever. Um, Byro, who give somebody a chance that you don't know what what they can do. They know what Olafson is at this point, and this is who he's going to be. Oh sure. Um, so maybe find someone else you don't know quite yet. Um, I, I think that time has to be coming soon. It might be for sure. I mean, I mean, Brand, you know, you mentioned Brandon Byro. I mean, he he scored two goals his first game here. Uh, in November, then he got hurt, and then he just kind of you know I might have played another game, but then he went back down. I mean, maybe maybe he's due for just an extended look where it, it, you know you're gonna you're gonna play you know five to ten games, ten to fifteen minutes, and let's see what you got. I mean, maybe at this point he's earned something like that, or Isaac Rosane's earned something like that. But um, yeah. I, some new blood wouldn't hurt, though. I, mean, I, I don't know the last time they played with their complete lineup, and that's part of it. I mean, all of their big guys have gotten dinged up. Oh, yeah. It looks like Alex Tuck uh, is healthy now, but he, he also took took a puck in the mouth yesterday. and It won't affect his skating ability, but, <laughs> um, you know, it, it looks like now they're starting to get a little healthier up front, you know, 
do you see that making a difference? Yes, I do. And for as much as we don't like to blame injuries and injuries aren't the main thing it, in the Sabre struggles, they, I mean, they have hurt them. I mean, when you're, I mean, Alex Tuck and, and Tage Thompson, they've already missed more games than they missed all of last year. I mean, Jeff Skinner has missed as many games as he missed last year, and that was because of a suspension. Uh, Jordan Greenway's been hurt. Um, Jack Quinn's missed the whole year. Even Dylan Cousins missed a couple games. I, I'm probably forgetting someone. So, I mean, they haven't they haven't had their full forward lineup all year yet. I mean, and here we are right before Christmas, and if – Jeff Skinner and Jordan Greenway come back this week. They'll probably come back against the Maple Leafs, I think. Uh, they'll get that much closer. And then Don Gergen, I always mentioned maybe Zemgis Gergensen's uh, can play before the Christmas break. So, I mean, if he's able to and everyone else stays healthy, then uh, maybe by Saturday they'll have that full lineup. But they haven't, and there's been a lot of line shifting, just, uh, just a lot of different combos. And, I mean, when you have – I mean, Jeff Skinner practiced today with Tage Thompson and Alex Tuck, and that's where he should be. And Jack Quinn went beside Dylan Cousins and J.J. Paterkin. That was a pretty good second line last year. They have good chemistry. So there's a lot of benefits to just having a full lineup, of course. And I mean, I mean just being able to stick those guys with each other, those are, those are easy fixes that, I mean, I mean, Dylan Cousins likes playing with JJ and Jack, and I, I mean, I, I think if they stay together, you know, against the Maple Leafs or Rangers, or whoever, I, I think, I think we could we could see something out of them just because there's that spark. You know, Jack Quinn is back; he's coming off an injury. Is this the right time to keep putting him back in the lineup? I mean, they're going to have to see how he responds um, against. Uh, the Blue Jackets. I mean, I really didn't notice them that much. I mean, I mean, which I mean, you expect your first game since first NHL game since uh, mid-April, coming off major surgery. He did play in the World Championship, so he he had played in, until late May. But first NHL game in whatever eight months almost. Um, it's going to be hard to make an impact. You're you're going on adrenaline. I just I want to see. Let's see how he is in in two, three, even a month, because it's going to take time. I mean, you might see some flashes, but I don't think you're going to see the real Jack Quinn uh, for for a while. I mean, no training camp, all that time on the sideline. He didn't do it. We thought at one point we thought he might do a rehab stint in Rochester, you know, could spend a week down there, play three games, but they didn't want to do that. Um, so... He started right away, and I think they'll keep playing him as long as he feels up to it. When you look at uh, the entirety of the drought, you've been around for all of it. I have, uh, yes. <laughs> um, where does this rank among lowest moments of that time? I mean, you look at you know the the real the tank years, and everybody expected them to be bad, right? Um, to me, the only the only comparisons are. When Terry Pagula buys the team, puffs out his chest and says, the only the only existence of the Sabres now is to win a Stanley Cup. And they went out and signed a bunch of names to big money and it it failed epically. And then the other one is, you know, they they go through the tank years and it looks like Alico is gonna be somebody. 
They get Jeff Skinner. Uh, they had just signed Akposo. Um, I think they had just drafted Darlene. And then they go out and are still not any good. Um, <laughs> so so where, where does this rank to you among the lowest moments? Uh, just Tuesday's game? Well, this stretch, this this early stretch right. of the season. I mean, it, to me, there's a whole lot more uh, that rank above this latest stretch. I mean, the tank, even though people wanted them to lose, expected them to lose. I mean, there were some brutal moments in there. Um, and I mean, and, and post tank. I mean, they. I mean, they finished dead last in 2017-18. They finished. Dead last in 2021 when they didn't win a game for whatever that was a month. I mean, to me, that was maybe the, probably the low point just when Ralph Kruger got fired. And I mean, they was just, that was the worst stretch of hockey I've ever seen in my life. So, I mean, not that this, this recent stretch has been <laughs> good, but I mean, just the fact that they've entered a mode where people expect them to win, where they're coming off a season in which they they fill a win short of the playoffs and now they're they're really in that mode i mean i, I it's it's different now and uh, i don't think this last stretch can compare to some of those other ones because they i mean they were i mean they just uh i mean 2017 18 to me before 2021 was the worst season and the most or i should say at least the most disappointing season in franchise history because they thought they were maybe primed for something and they finished dead last. So, I mean, they had Vander Kane in there too. Yeah. They traded him that year too. So, um, and Ryan O'Reilly and yeah, they had some dudes last. Yeah, they did. And, and they finished, I mean, they obviously had Jack Eichel and I mean, they had some good guys, but I mean, it was a bad year, and that, that year got them Rasmus Dahlin. So, I mean. 2021 to me is the worst. I mean, they, yeah, it got them all in power, but they were so bad. They, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was it was terrible. It really was 2021. And you know what? It's funny because for as bad as they were, you look at their lineup. I mean, they had Jack Eichel, who was, who was hurt that year, and they had Taylor Hall, who just, uh, massively underperformed, and they had Sam Reinhart, and they had uh, uh, Brandon Montour. I mean, they they had some guy. I mean, they had Linus Allmark, who was hurt a lot. I mean, but I mean, Linus Allmark's a Vesna winner. I mean, it's it's, it's amazing the, the guys they actually did have that year, and they you know, and they still you know what whatever the losing streak was, I can't even remember now. Was it seventeen, eighteen games? But like, uh, yeah, I mean th- that month is the worst month in franchise history. It has to be. No, to me, I think they're getting close from a, from a different standpoint. Um, they, they, they thought they had, they had a bunch of guys like we just said in 17, 18, but it was obvious they weren't the right guys. So now you get to this year and they got a bunch of guys and the prevailing thought is they're the right guys. And yet they come out, and in so many of these games, they're just getting shellacked in the first period. I mean, they're getting KO'd in the first period, and what's left to watch? Uh, I mean, some of these games they've come back, but a lot of them, they're down two, three, sometimes four goals in the first period. And that's just brutal. It's it's almost like that 21 season, except these guys are supposed to be better. Yeah, you're right. Um, 
but I mean, it, it, the 21 season, I mean, you have, to, I, you have to put that on its own separate. I mean, we'll never see anything like that again. I think they're two different instances. I mean, but again, I'll, I'll circle back to it for, for as bad as things are. I mean, I, you know, five days removed from beating the Golden Knights, you know, uh, uh, whatever, less than two weeks removed from beating the Bruins. So, I mean, there are some some very, very good top-notch victories that we can just look back on that, that you know, just happened days ago. So it's not, I mean, as, as far off as it seems right now, and they're in it pretty deep, but, I mean, it's not, they're still not that far off, in my opinion. I mean, they have... Yeah. A load of talent, and they have some other things going for them. You know the 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 funny thing is, if they had the same record they do now with last year's team, and the way that they played, they wouldn't be getting booed off the ice because at least those games were entertaining. Oh yeah, for sure. When you score two hundred ninety three goals, they're going to be an entertaining team. So <laughs> I think you can you can live with losses if the, if they're if you're being entertained. I mean, it's not a long term recipe for success, but for the course of a season, yeah, you can you can let some of the losses go if 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 it's fun to go or fun to watch. But this team oh, is sure. this, this team is not enjoyable to watch right now. No, they're not, and they scored four goals last night. But I mean, right. when you're scoring, I mean, when you're scoring three of them when you're down seven to one, I mean, who who cares? It's not like it was a four to three game and something happened crazy late and they pulled away. I mean, it Wait. was it was seven to one. Even even when they come back and they make it seven to four, they just come out and give up two more goals. Yeah, like, you, you know the 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 Blue Jackets blew that game to the Maple Leafs uh, the other day when they were up five nothing and they went five to five going into overtime after giving up five goals in the third period and then they won in overtime, I guess. But I mean, it felt, when it got to seven to four for as bad as the Sabres had been, it felt like oh boy, is something going on here? What happens if they get the next one? And then the Blue Jackets just scored. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, those late goals aren't as fun if they were scored in the first period, I guess. Yeah. Well, whatever changes are coming are 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 coming within the current the current roster of guys they have because the NHL has the holiday freeze and they can't make any moves. Correct. So, I mean, but again, I mean, I don't think we're, if there was no holiday freeze, we were going to wake up and there was going to be this huge blockbuster, you know, five player deal. And I mean, I don't, I, I think Kevin Adams has shown, and, and granted, we're, as I keep saying, we're in a different mode now this season, but he has shown in his, whatever, almost four years as GM, three and a half years that, He's going to stick to what he he believes is right, and right now he's he, he's sticking with his guys. All right, Bill. Well, you enjoy this one. I did. I did a lot more than I enjoyed watching that Sabres game. I mean, even even when you you look at it from an impartial standpoint, it still wasn't <laughs> it still wasn't fun to watch. It was it was not a it was not something that holds your attention for two and a half hours. Well, I mean, it, it, the thing, the, the funny thing was, I, I guess, was just like it was just goal after goal. I mean, it was just like it was like an onslaught. I mean, it wasn't like they weren't really that spaced out. It was just whatever seven goals in about twenty-one minutes or something. It was 
was about as big as a barrage as you'll ever see. So there, there, there's always, I think people are unhappy with Terry Pagula right now. Um, I, I think the notion that he doesn't care is ridiculous because he's, he's a, he's a billionaire and he's not just going to let an investment, you know, shrivel up and die. But at the same time, is it fair to question how much he cares? Is, is he still as invested now as he was when he bought the team? You know, when, when's the last time he was seen at a game? I, I, I really don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know the last time he was seen at a game, and I don't know. I mean, from everything I've seen, he cares. I mean, right? Yes. I mean, if we don't agree with the decision making, whatever. But I mean, from everything I've seen, he cares. I mean, he's he's he's, he's poured a lot of money into the product over the years. So, I mean, uh, I think he cares. But yeah, I mean, I I don't. I mean, he has a. a I will say he has a lot more business interests than than he did in 2011 when he bought the Sabres. I mean. He's an NFL team now, and I can't, I can't even imagine how much time that takes up. I mean, to own two pro sport, major pro sports teams, it's got to be, I can't even imagine what it's like just, you know, staying in contact with your, you know, your your higher ups and GM presidents. I mean, it, it, it's got to take up so much time. I, I think at some point he's going to have to make a public gesture. He's going to have to, to speak to, the media at some point because you had a rough stretch with the bills here. Um, the Sabres team just, it's not working out right now. His arena is in, is decaying. Um, at some point the fans are going to want something in good faith because eventually he's going to come calling for a new arena. Um, I think he, they, I think people should tell him to kick rocks on that because he, he let the current one, you know, it's in it's it's a it's in rough shape, and it shouldn't be. It's what it's less than thirty years old. So, well, uh, I think they're going to pour at some point in the future. Money will be poured into it. I don't know where the money will come from, but I, I think. Oh, you uh, know, yeah. I think I think uh, they they do a major up upgrade overhaul of the rink before they built a new one. But um, yeah, you're right. I mean, it does. It 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 needs some upgrades for sure. And most of those arenas from that era, you know, the, the mid '90s arena boom. I mean, Key Bank Center opened in 1996. They they're getting or have already gotten big big overhauls. Whether that's replacing all the seats, a new scoreboard, uh, other amenities. I mean, it, it's so. It, I mean, it's probably time for for a lot to be done to key bank center. Well, and, but the tough part of there is it, it's in the state that it is because of neglect. Um, and, and that's the other part of this whole deal that I'm sure it's really frustrating to people is okay. The product on the ice isn't very good, but neither is, neither is the experience of the game at this juncture. I mean, the seats are kind of gross. Uh, the bathrooms smell worse than bathrooms usually smell. The food is just deplorable, um, and the tickets are expensive. So you're not really you're not really giving people much incentive to want to come. Well, I mean, to me, the, the having grown up going to the odd, and uh, I, you know, you go to other old sports venues. To me, the biggest incentive is winning. Yes, and people put up with the the crap. Um, 
and you know, yeah, what they'll they'll sit on a folding chair uh, if if they can see a wildly entertaining game and see their team win. So, um, when to me, winning cure, cures everything. It it really does. Yeah. No, I, there are two ways to go to get people in the in the seats. It's to win or to have a great fan experience. And right now they, they do not have either. So that's, it's a, it's tough times for the Sabres. Maybe, uh, maybe Santa Claus will bring them some wins. <laughs> we'll see Nick. Do you have all your Christmas shopping done yet? Not, I think most of it, but not yet. I might have to pick up another item or two. Oh. Where are you going to go? Right. Walmart? Uh, no, no. Are you, a thrift, are you a thrift? Are you a you're a thrift shopper, aren't you? Yeah, I like going. Maybe I'll go to Dollar Tree, pick up some candy, keep it simple. All right, Bill. All right. Well, another one, another one in the books here. Sounds good. For for our listeners, uh, if you celebrate, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Give us a review. Tell us what you like. Send us an email at buffalopressbox at gmail.com. And uh, we'll catch you next week.